Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, uh-oh, Charlie, will somebody make the list next year? And it sucks for Williams. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you ever listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, for the second night in a row, the Atlanta Braves came from behind uh, down 4-1. to one. And they pull off a victory against the New York Mutts, seven to five uh, last night. So, but Charlie Morton wasn't exactly great. Four and two thirds innings, four hits, four earned runs, four walks, five strikeouts, hundred seven pitches, and still gave up a couple of home runs. And you know, if you look, you know, Morton has been pretty good this year. In his first eight starts, forty seven in the third innings. Uh, 2.85 ERA, 49 strikeouts, 18 walks, and he gave up four home runs. Now, that was the thing that got Morton in trouble last year, right, was the long ball. He gave up a career high in home runs, and he struggled with that. That was one of the things that really kind of, you know, <clears throat> messed him up last year, that he was giving up way too many home runs and set a career high. Over these last four starts, 22 innings pitched, 28 strikeouts to 12 walks, a 6-1-3 ERA, and the same four homers. So he's given up as many homers over his last four starts as what he did in his first eight. Now, look, Charlie's been a good pitcher, and he's been pretty consistent this year for the Braves. But let's hope that there's not a bump in the road here because, again, you know, we're looking at a situation where we're down to our final three starters, right? I mean, we're doing bullpen games. We're doing rookies every other day, right? We're doing all of these things that we have to, to get through our other two starts. We need elder Morton Strider. That's our three kind of horses that we have for right now. You know, maybe there'll be a move at the deadline or whatever like that, but that's a ways away. Teams aren't giving up pitchers right now, but for now, we need Morton to be consistent. And again, hopefully this is just a bump in the road over these last four games. But some of the things that got him in trouble last year, you know, when you look at he's given up 12 walks over his last four starts, and he's given up the same four homers that he did in his first eight starts. Some of those things are starting to creep back in. And look, Morton is a 39 or 38 or 40-year-old pitcher, whatever that he is age-wise on here. Again, you're going to have some bumps in the road, right? And a lot of guys at this age don't necessarily thrive. So, again, you, you can expect some of that. But it's just such a mass-critical time when we're trying to win the division with basically one hand tied behind our back. Um, Kyle Wright is on the 60-day I.L., Max Fried's on the 60-day IL. Anderson's done for the year. So, you know, at some point, we expect to get Wright and Freed back and, okay, 
replenish our well and, and we'll have some guys in the rotation. You know, Michael Soroka sent down, looks like he needed more work. But right now is an important stretch for the Braves that they have to get through all of this, right? You know, again, when you're down a couple of starting pitchers out there, you have to be able to rely on the horses that you do have. And some of those things that were popping up last year are starting to creep in to Charlie Morton. And look, again, hopefully that this is just a bump in the road, but his last four starts have been, you know, pretty consistent as far as, okay, giving up a few too many homers, a few too many walks, and he's gotten kind of pummeled around a little bit. You know, unfortunately, you know, look, the Braves offense has been so good this year, and the Braves can always find a way to come back. Again, we just talked about two nights in a row where they've come back from a four-to-one deficit, right, and found a way to win. And no matter how they're doing it, whether it's a Rosario Grand Slam or what have you, their lineup offensively is so good. They beat around Max uh, Max Scherzer last night, who's a first ballot Hall of Fame pitcher. They've pounded him over the last handful of starts, and really for his career that it's it's not been as good. But again, they need Morton right now, right? I mean, we need a guy that can eat some innings, help save your bullpen, especially if we have to go to some of these bullpen games and things like that. You have to be able to rely on Morton to give you five, six, seven innings in some of his starts. And even if he labors around, you know, even if he is seven innings and gives up four runs, you know, you you can live with that because he can eat some innings and he can keep you close. But it's a hard road when he starts giving up home runs and he's giving up four runs and four innings and you put all the pressure on your offense. Now, thankfully that this offense can find a way. And I think Morton has allowed the, the, the team itself and Morton has lost three of his last four starts when he's pitched. So let's hope that this is just a blip on the radar, a bump in the road or whatever you want to call it, because this team is really needing Charlie Morton right now. And, and when you're fighting scratch and clawing and, and really you feel like you're fighting with one arm tied behind your back, <clears throat> you need all hands on deck. You, you know, you need all hands on deck. And, and hopefully some of the things that crept up last year don't start to show up for Charlie Morton. Hopefully these kinds of things don't creep up. And look, the Braves are looking to sweep the New York Mets, right? You know, tonight's a really good matchup. Strider, Verlander, right? Braves could sweep the Mets out of here. And we talked about, look, this is an opportunity for the Braves <coughs> to put some distance between themselves and the Mets and Phillies. Because not only do they get the chance to play those two teams head-to-head, but with Washington and Colorado and some of these last-place teams, Detroit and what have you, their schedule's not very tough. And, and this is a perfect opportunity to really start to expand that lead to where you take some of the pressure off of this starting staff. If you start to expand this lead, expand the divisional lead, start to get a little bit more comfortable. And I'm not saying take your foot off the gas, but at the same time, you start to get in a more comfortable position in place with all of this. That's why you need Morton. That's why if we can hang in there, you know, and expand this lead until we get right and freed back. And again, no real timetable. I know the 60-day IL, but there's no timetable for when those guys are going to come back. It's not as easy as just plucking a date on there, right? And we were counting on Mike Soroka to be a guy that, if nothing else, 
all he would do is solidify one more starting spot in the rotation. So hopefully that this is a blip on the radar. <clears throat> hopefully this is not a sign of things to come for Charlie Morton and some of the struggles that he had last year. Hopefully that this is just a situation where, okay, he's had a little bit of a rough patch of starts, but he'll get back on track. Because honestly, we need Morton right now. And, and, and this is all hands on deck with this starting staff, right? We can't afford to have another hole in our starting staff and have to rely on Elder and Strider to pick up all of the workload. This has to be where Morton has to be a guy that is consistently good out there. And look, maybe that's fair. Maybe that's not fair to Morton, but he needs to be consistently good and come out and give you quality starts night in, night out, especially right now as we're battling injuries with this team. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Look, FanDuel's America's number one sportsbook, and as we're in the NBA Finals, Denver with a big win on the road last night taking care of Miami. If you're a new customer to FanDuel, you sign up today at FanDuel.com, and you can claim your no-sweat first bet, where if your first bet doesn't win, you can get as much as $2,500 in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't win. Now, FanDuel is safe, secure, super easy to use. They allow you to bet on everything from money lines to point spreads to who's going to, you know, if Jimmy Butler is going to score 25 in a game, whatever, over-unders, different things like that. But FanDuel has got you covered. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and get your no-sweat first bet where if your first bet doesn't win, you can claim as much as 2000 $500 in bonus bets. That's $2,500 in bonus bets, potentially, if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel's the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, again, we've been talking about these pro football focus lists that are out right now, right? Ranking different positional groups and things like that, okay? So, edge rushers. <laughs> And I laugh when I say this, but edge rushers was on the docket uh, for yesterday. All right. So needless to say, the Falcons did not have an edge rusher that, you know, was in the top 32, but a man can dream. But a couple of things here, a couple of notes and takeaways from this. Okay. So they list as their tier one edge rushers, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, Max Crosby, Joey Bosa. Okay. Remember some of those names. Okay. Tier two, the next group of guys, Hassan Reddick, Rashawn Gary, Trey Hendrickson, Vaughn Miller, Daniel Hunter, and Brian Burns, okay? So that's the top 12 that they have out there. Now, a couple of things, okay? One is from the Falcon standpoint is, are we going to have a guy that can get on that top 32 list? Can Ebba Katie or Caden Ellis or somebody get on that list? Because I, I continue to say that, look, the one thing I am still concerned about is our pass rush, that we don't have that fire breather coming off the edge that we think, okay, we can pencil that guy in for eight, 10 sacks every year. We still don't have that guy. Yeah, we're hoping that Caden Ellis can come through. We're hoping that Calais Campbell isn't still too old. <clears throat> we're hoping the combination of Onyemata and Grady can work out. We're hoping Lorenzo Carter's got a little bit in the tank. We're hoping Ebba Katie has it. Again, hope and prayers and change and things like that. Okay? But the other interesting thing about this, when you look at 
the 12 guys that are the top 12 pass rushers in this. And I've broken this down six ways to Sunday. And again, it's again, I know, I know some of you are going to tell me random happenstance, pure coincidence, all these kinds of things that go along with it. But if you look at the top 12 on their list of top 12 edge rushers, okay, nine of the top 12 guys were drafted in the first round. Nine of the top 12 were drafted in the first round. Two guys were drafted in the third round, and one guy was drafted in the fourth round. So nine, so out of 12 guys, nine from the first, two from the third, one from the fourth. What round did I not say? Second round. <clears throat> so when people tell me about, <clears throat> oh, well, you can find pass rushers and all this kind of stuff. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. There's a pathway. That there, there's, there's a way that you find pass rushers, and that's draft high caliber guys in the first round. And if they don't work out, you know what you do? Draft them again. Draft them again. Go, go, go in the first round and draft those guys again. Because if you want difference makers and you want guys who are consistently good, they all come from the first round. It's not coincidence. I've broken this down. The top 25 sack leaders of, of you know, uh, the, the top 25 active sack leaders in the NFL, 70% of the top 10 comes from the first round. 70% of the top 15 comes from the first round, or top 20, I should say. 70% of the top 20 comes from the first round, and 70% of the top 25 come from the first round. And on this list from Pro Football Focus, nine of the 12 guys come from the first round. That's 75%. So if you want to find those fire breathers, you got to go out the first round. I don't care where you pick. They're all up and down the board. There are some guys that are drafted number one. TJ Watt is a guy who's drafted like number 26 or whatever like that. There's guys all up and down as far as where they were drafted in the first round. You don't have to have the number one overall pick. It helps, but you don't have to have the number one overall pick when you're finding a defensive edge player. And that's why I have my concerns. That That's that's why, again, I, I say we don't, we're, we're, we're waiting for hope and change and prayers and all these different things and take your vitamins and stuff like that. RIP to the Iron Sheik. Um, but you know, again, we're hoping for all of these things to come through, but we don't do the things that successful, you know, teams do to find their pass rush guys. We don't draft first round. I mean, we have before, and and when we had Vic Beasley led the league in sacks. Where did we end up that year? I, I can't remember what that was. Two thousand sixteen. Where did we end up anyway? Um, if you draft a guy, he didn't come through. You draft him again. It's like quarterback. You have to have those guys, right? There, there's not a, there's not an option B of, well, you know, we can do this or we can do that. No, I mean, you, you have to have first round pass rush talent. That's why I say it doesn't matter. If, if you're a first round talent at pass rusher, you're a first round talent, whether you pick third, fourth, eighth, 20th, 26th, whatever, <clears throat> you have to find those guys. So hopefully because we don't necessarily have a lot of first-round pass rush talent that's young. Again, Calais Campbell is a first-round pass rusher, but again, he's 36 years old or whatever at this point. Hopefully, we have some of our guys that break through. You know, Caden Ellis is a seventh-round draft pick. Abikady, obviously, a second-round draft pick. D'Angelo Malone, whatever, I think a fourth-round draft pick. You know, those are the exception, not the norm. And I keep explaining this because, again, 
no matter how much I, I say it, people just don't want to necessarily believe it, even though the facts are right there. You have to find those guys in the first round that are the difference makers in coming off the edge. And I still think that our weakest link, when I look at this team, is still pass rush. I think we have a lot of other things figured out. And we have to get that part of the game figured out as well. We're not going to be a successful franchise if we can't sack the quarterback. You can't consistently stay at 39 sacks over a two-year period of time and think that your defense is just going to overcome all of those other things and your offense is going to overcome all of those things. It doesn't work out that way in the NFL. That's not how the NFL game is. Sorry. I mean, again, we can hope and pray and wish and things like that, but that's not how the game is played in the NFL. The game is influenced by teams that can sack the quarterback on defense. It's not about you go through your run statistics and say, well, what, what defense? Are, if you can sack the quarterback, you'll be, you'll be a playoff defense. If you can get 40 sacks, you'll be a playoff defense. 70% of the teams that um, are in the playoffs since 2016 have 38 or more sacks, right? We talked about the last 14 Super Bowl participants average 43 and a half sacks. That's where you have to live. And it's still my big concern. So hopefully, and again, we're talking about hope and change and prayers and all these different kinds of things, okay? Hopefully, we have one of our guys that gets on this pro football focus list next year when they do their top 32 ranking. Hopefully, we have one of those guys on there. I don't care who. I don't care what the name is on the back of the jersey. It doesn't really matter. Just let me have a guy that is one of the top 32 pass rushers in the NFL and I'll feel a lot better. Hopefully I have a guy that's a top 10, 12 or whatever that can be in that tier one, tier two type of area as far as pass rusher goes. Hopefully we have one of those guys. But again, nine of the 12 top guys on that list come from the first round. Two thirds and a fourth and no seconds on there. Those things are not coincidence. Those things are just not random happenstance factoids in the universe that just don't matter. You have to have those kind of fire breathers that come off. All right, as you make hitting hard uh, your first listen every day, make sure you go into the comment section of whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener, right? We like to call them our everydayers. So we thank you so much for being a part of our community, but let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program five days a week on hitting hard. And we thank you so much for being a part of our community. Well, uh, bad news for the Atlanta Falcons as uh, it looks like uh, a kick returner, punt returner, all this kind of stuff, running back. I mean, every do it all kind of guy. Avery Williams is going to be out for the year. According to Arthur Smith, quote, will probably be done for the year after tearing an ACL uh, during the open practice that they had this past Friday that was at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, Smith did go on to say that, quote, it's a good sign that Williams will have surgery on Thursday, less than a week uh, after the injury. So uh, from Arthur Smith, quote, we love Avery. He's got the right mindset and fully expect him to come back ready to roll. Now, when I look at some of these guys that Arthur Smith was talking about, Mike Hughes, D. Alford, um, wide receiver Josh Ali, Penny Hart, right, the Georgia State uh, product. Again, it's potential punt, you know, candidates you know for this team can i ask i mean and look 
if he's going to stay on the roster and we're going to use him, why not Cordero Patterson? Why why don't we put Cordero Patterson back there? Now we'll put him back for kickoffs. He's he'll still run back kickoffs, and again, he's got the most touchdowns in league history for kickoff returns. We'll put him back there for that. But why not let him be? Look again. We're not relying on Cordero Patterson to be a focal point of this offense anymore, right? I mean, B. John Robinson, Avery Williams, those guys have really stepped up. He can certainly be a piece. And, and, and again, I've said that I think he's going to play more kind of wide receiver or be more of a pass catcher than he is a runner. I think between Algier, B. John Robinson, and Desmond Ritter, we can find enough rushing yards that he doesn't have to be any kind of focal point, right? He's not going to be the centerpiece of our run attack anymore. So why not use him? What Don't they preach versatility, right? Positionless football? Isn't that all of the things that they preach about what we need to be? Okay, so let's put Cordero Patterson back there. And again, as long as he, you know, worst case scenario, as long as he holds on to the football, we'll be fine. But Rather than necessarily D. Alford or Josh Ali or, you know, again, whoever, you know, whatever vagabonds back there we're going to put, you know, I need my cues to be a nickel corner for us. I need him to focus on being that versus being a punt returner. But Cordero Patterson is the perfect guy. And again, we've talked about the idea of would they trade Patterson? Would they release him? This and the other. Well, this certainly feels like this solidifies Cordero Patterson's spot on the roster even more. Now, look, it's at unfortunate circumstances that that this is coming, but if this is how he stays on the roster or avoids being cut or traded or anything like that, then that's how he stays on the roster. And it does lend to the idea of, okay, we have depth at this position and we can get by with our guys. But I would love to see Patterson stand back there. And look, if it doesn't work out, then you can try Josh Ali or D. Alford or what. You could try different guys at that point. But I would give Patterson the first shot at it. I know he's going to be back for kickoffs. I know he'll be back there for the kickoff returns and things like that. But as you're not going to make him a focal feature point of the offense, like he was a couple of years ago where he was the centerpiece of our running game, right? Where we we uh, we uh, brought over, um, who's the kid from uh, Carolina that we brought over? Mike uh, Mike Davis. So we had Mike Davis and we had Cordero Patterson, and Patterson was kind of that breakout guy for this team. We don't have to rely on that anymore. We'll get enough carries between Ritter, Bijan, Avery Williams. We can get enough carries out of those guys, and you can still throw Patterson in there to complement all of that, but we don't need him as a feature focal point. His thing can be our special teams guy, right? And and again, I love Avery Williams. I, I think he's a do-it-all kind of guy corner, running back, receiver, punt, kick, returner. Like I, I love what his role is. You need guys like that. And I, and I, I, and I know this is not a, a term that is endearing or whatever, but gadget guys, right? Got guys that can just do different things for you. You know, Taylor Gabriel was a guy like that for the Falcons, right? You know, jet sweep, catch a pass, you know, do this, do that. You know, he was one of those kinds of guys, right? And, and our offense thrived in 2016 with guys like that. So I hate it for Pat, for uh, Avery Williams because he is a good guy and you certainly want to see him succeed and he's an important part of this football team. But why not use Cordero Patterson? Why not let Patterson stand back there and field punts and kicks and all this kind of stuff? 
why not make him our special teams, you know, um, you know, gadget guy, if you will, you know, why not let him be the guy that does all of that? Again, I need D Alford and Mike Hughes to focus on what they do playing on the defensive backfield. All right. I don't know who Josh Ali is as far as what his pedigree is or whatever like that. But if I can have Cordero Patterson versus Josh Ali, I'm going to take that every day of the week. And again, you know, using a guy that's an established guy that has done this over the years and has had tremendous success, obviously, you know, right. I mean, again, the touchdown record for kickoff returns. I just want Patterson back there. And this could be a way to get him an increased role in what we do on this football team. And I think that's a good thing overall, that if we can get the ball in his hands, whether it is punts or kicks or whatever, if he's not going to be used as much in their offensive sets, in pass catching, running the football, whatever, this feels like it could be a perfect role for Cordero Patterson. Yeah, he's a little bit older. Yeah, he's maybe not as quick as what he once was, but I'd still rather have him and the known commodity that he brings to that position versus we're trotting out all these vagabonds. And again, the backup plan could be to have him. I mean, again, if he, if he, if he fails at doing this, then you've got other options. Then you can explore other options to all of this. But let's give Patterson his shot at doing this. Hate it for Avery Williams, but sometimes, you know, there's an opportunity that creeps up, and maybe this is it for Cordero Patterson. All right, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment that you're an everyday listener to whatever podcast platform you're on. Go into the comment section and let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to call them. We thank you so much for being a part of our community. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey that we've been on. We uh, ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We're back with you tomorrow. We'll wrap up the week. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 